This podcast has been brought to you by New Creations Life Center in Redmond, Oregon. Look us up on the web at newclc.com. That's N-E-W-C-L-C.com. Have been on a series of, of of your plan for success. Seven principles of winning. Seven principles of winning. We're on the seventh principle, and we might be here for a little bit. This is my second um, um, sermon teaching on uh, the seventh principle, which is be first. Be first. And, uh, and, and we want to figure out, you know, what do I mean by that? When we say, when I say be first, uh, what does that mean? And so we're going to go into it deep. God's all about first. He's all about first. He is the first. How many know he's the first? The supremacy of God. That there's nothing above him. Whether you put him first or not, he's first. Whether you like it or not, he's first. Whether the world likes it or not, he's first. He's first in everything. You know, God is not like you and me. You know, in theology, and when you go to Bible school, they teach you different things. And one of the things they teach you uh, uh, of, like, the word omniscient. Do Do you know that God does not think? He doesn't think, well, he does not think like you and me. Put it that way. He does not think like you and me. The reason why is because we think to figure stuff out. We think to try to organize and get it all together and figure out what what the world's going on. He doesn't think with that because he is omniscient. He knows everything. He knows everything. He doesn't go, oh, wait a minute, I, 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 you know, I just thought of something. He doesn't do that. He thinks, he already knows. And when he says the thoughts I have for you, those are thoughts that he already had for millions and billions and trillions of, beyond that, eternity. For all eternity, he already had those thoughts about you. So God is not like you and I. He's first. He understands you completely. Some of you, while you've been in here, you you went like this and you scratched your head. And you know, you might not have known, but a hair fell out. Let me tell you something. When that hair fell out, God knew. Don't tell me God doesn't give a rip about which parking place you you get. Don't give me that stuff. If he's thinking, cares about if a hair falls, he numbers the hairs of your head. If he's that intimately involved with you. Let me tell you something. God's all up in the air. Way more than you've ever been able to fathom, understand, comprehend. He is so here and he's so in love with you. And we, a lot of times, we're so oblivious. Remember watching a movie about a guy that was so in love with this girl and this girl just thought he would never, ever love her. That this guy would never ever love her so she would never try to go where he was or be around him yet he was completely in love with her and longed to be able to be with her she was just oblivious to the fact that he was just in love with her God is in love with you this morning he's here you really need to recognize that you got to recognize this morning that what you're going to get 
is going to be what the Holy Spirit speaks. He'll speak. I'm going to give you lots of the word. You need to open up your heart to the word of God and let him speak because he wants to bless your life. He really cares about you. Amen. So last week we went over, <clears throat> God wants to bless you. And I didn't uh, go deep into it, but it was enough to um, let us see that God's longing, his desire is to bless you. And one of the things I preached on last week and be great for you, if you didn't get it, you ought to go listen to it. But I, I preached out of, out of Malachi that when God said, the, the people said, you know, you know how, can, how can we be near to you? How can we know you? And he said, well, the thing is, is you've robbed me. They were wanting to get to know God. They're wanting to have relationship with God. And God said, we can't have relationship. You've robbed me. And, and, and we've usually preached that in the sense that you've robbed God of money. But we went over it last week that that's not what you really rob God of. He doesn't need your money. That's not what he needs. When you don't give to God first, you rob God of his longing to bless you. And I'm, I just have been excited to go into this deeper today. And so, um, and so you're going to have to listen to that uh, online. But we're going to go over the second point of, of this seventh principle. And that is God must have the first. God must have the first. And I'm going to break this down to you because many times people don't really understand and they think, well, you know, this whole thing of first and that's Old Testament. And I want you to know, you know, because they say, well, it's like being under the law. It's, you know, that we don't have to, you know, give 10% or anything like that because that's under the law. And I want you to know that that's simply not true. It's simply not the Bible, and I will show you plainly before it's all done that you will see that God longs to bless you. And if you will follow his ways, you'll see and find out that his blessing will come upon your life. So we start out in Genesis 1 verse 11, and this is the principle of sowing and reaping. And it's really critical that you understand that, that the, the principle, because if you don't understand the principle of sowing and reaping, then you can think that, well, I'll, I'll just, you know, save all this money for me and I'll hold it up for myself. And you don't understand that it is only God who gives the power to create wealth. And your money that you have saved in your 401k or, or your, you know, your nest egg or whatever it is that you got and you've been withholding from God, what happens? That can go anytime. Your health can go at any time and you can lose absolutely everything you have and it happens all the time. That God is the only one that ensures your future, not anything else. Your job does not ensure. Your job can leave tomorrow. It would behoove you to put God first. Because the devil wants to do the opposite of God. God is longing to bless you. The devil in his plan is to completely destroy you. He wants to bring you into his bondage. So Genesis 1 verse 11 says this is the beginning of creation. And it says God said let the land produce vegetation. Seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to the various kinds 
and it was so. Amen. So, I want you to know God didn't have to have, have it this way. <laughs> I want you to know everything that you see in here is tied to Jesus Christ. And you're going to see this very clearly in just a few minutes. That everything you see, when you start reading Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus, you're going to find out the more you know the Bible, that all of it ends up pointing to Jesus Christ and his plan of love. Okay? So God could have made it any, any way he wanted to, but he set, up, set it up so that when you sow something, you're going to reap something. Amen. We'll skip to uh, Mark chapter 4, Jesus speaking about the parable of the sower sowing the seed. And I'm not going to go over it because most of you know you can read it later. You might want to write it down. Mark chapter 4 talks about the farmer who went out to sow his seed. And some seed it fell along the path and, and the birds came and ate it up. And then some seed fell in shallow places where the soil was, was, was good on the top. But right below it was the soil was bad. So when the seed came up, it came up real quick and it looked great. But as soon as the sun came out and it got hot, that, that it just withered because it didn't have any deep root. And then there was some seed who fell uh, among thorns and, and, and that all those thorns choked out its ability to produce anything. And then finally there was the good soil that, that um, the seed was put on and that soil produced a crop, 30, 60, and 100 fold, okay? And so, but in verse 13, Mark chapter 4 and verse 13, we see that Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? Because they came to him. They say, you know, what in the world are you talking about? We don't get it. And so, you know, Jesus would take them off to the side and he would tell them what he's talking about. He said, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? In other words, if you don't understand sowing and reaping, then you really won't understand it. And actually you won't understand anything in life. Some people don't know why bad things keep happening to them. They don't understand that they've sowed for it. Some people don't know that they're even using their mouth to sow for bad things in their life. They're letting their mind think negativity. And they're even speaking it out their mouth. And they're creating the future because they're sowing seeds. Let's keep going here. So Jesus said, if you don't understand this parable, how will you understand any parable? 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 10. I'm not going to go over this whole thing yet. It says, now who, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. Now, this particular verse in ver chapters 8 and chapter 9 are talking about money and money alone. They're not talking about anything else, okay? Very important to understand that when you read 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9 because in the, you know, when I grew up in the Baptist church, they would try to say, well, you know, that's just, that's spiritually speaking. But that's one of those things where you really have to read into the whole thing. You know, you have, to read, you have to add your own stuff to the Bible. It's not the Bible. That's not what it's talking about. We're talking about the, 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 the uh, church in Jerusalem needs help. And the other churches are coming to, and, and they're given money and they're given possessions. And they're, you know, giving grain and oil and everything that they have that was worth to them to bless them. Okay? So when you look at that, you've got to understand he's talking about money. When he says you'll be made rich in every way, he's talking about money. But, he, but, but, but he's also, when he says in every way, there's different ways to be made rich. 
Amen. So he says here, he gives seed to the sower. God is not going to give seed to the one who doesn't sow. He's going to look for people who he can really bless who sow. Amen. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. A man reaps what he sows. Nobody is demanding that you invest in your future. You don't have to invest in your future. You can take all the money you make and spend it all and then have nothing to show for it later. Nobody tells you you have to save. Nobody tells you you should invest in, in, in a stock or a bond or invest in property. Nobody is making you do that. But if you're wise, somebody say, if you're wise, that you will throw some money forward. You're going to take some of your money and you're going to, a portion of it, and you're going to throw it forward and you're going to put it into something that will make money for you. So you're not always trying to make money. Likewise, the New Testament is not demanding a tithe from you. The New Testament doesn't demand that you pay a tithe, but rather it tells you if you do, there's blessing for you. Amen. Second point I want to make. First point is the principle of sowing and reaping. And I'm just barely touching it. I want you to know the whole Bible's full of sowing and reaping. You will reap what you sow. It's interesting that other religions and all of that, they all believe the same thing. What comes around goes around. That there's a harvest for everything that you do. Some people call it karma. That you know, you, the way you treat people and, and how you do things, it's going to affect your future. Well, the thing is, is it will because it's the plan of God. God set it up that everything reproduces after its own kind. Somebody say everything. Reproduces after its own kind. Number two, God demands first. God demands first. I want you to see this. This is so powerful. First, we understand that the parable of sowing and reaping. That, that's a parable that no matter what you sow, you will reap. You know, and if we read it, you know, I didn't read it to you in, in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, uh, 9. But it says if you sow a little, you're going to reap a little. Amen. If you sow a lot, you're going to reap a lot because you're going to reap what you sow. And again, it's talking about money. Amen. So God demands first. That's point number two. And, and I want to start out with Cain and Abel because I think this has been confusing. Have you ever wondered why? Have you ever just been confused, you, why Cain came and brought, he, was, he worked the, the land, right? And he came and brought some of the fruits and, and whatever grains of his land. And he brought it to God. And God didn't accept it. He didn't respect that offering. He didn't receive it. He didn't honor it. There was no blessing for him out of it. But Abel brought uh, uh, an offering to God. And God received it. And, C and Cain got so angry that he ended up killing him. Have you ever wondered why it was that God? How many have ever wondered that? Amen. You, the rest of you already know. I doubt it. <laughs> Amen. 
Well, let me, let me, let's read it together and I think I'm going to explain it to you and you're going to see why it is. Let's start at verse 2, Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4 and verse 2. So it says, later she, Eve, gave birth to his brother, Cain's brother, Abel. Now Abel kept the flocks and Cain worked the soil. Okay, so, so, so Abel hung out with the sheep and the animals while Cain was the one who was working with the, the fruit and the grain and, and the seeds and all of that. Okay, now look at this. Verse 3, in the course of time, somebody say in the course of time. Say whenever he got around to it. Cain brought some of the fruits, somebody say some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. I want you to know in there you see nothing about first. All you see is that when he got around to it, in the course of time, he brought this offering to God. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock and the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor can I tell you simply the problem was is that Cain didn't bring first he didn't bring first he when when he got around to it after he paid all the other bills then whatever was left over he gave that to God I want you to know God does not receive that. Many people don't know that the devil's curse in their life. They don't know why these evil things are happening in their, in their bodies and in their families, in their marriages, in their children. Things are going on because they are robbing God of his longing to bless us and at the same time opening up the door because whatever is God's has to be given to God. We're going to go over that. Amen. So Cain and Abel, the difference between them was this word first. Abel took the firstborn. First means the first that, that opens the womb. The first that comes from the womb. It's the very first. Whatever is very first in everything, as we'll see, God wants it. So when somebody pays God 10% after they paid all their bills, God doesn't receive that. When somebody comes into church and they're just going to give kind of whatever, I want you to know money's a big thing to people. It's a God. The Bible says you cannot serve both, both God and mammon. I want you to know mammon isn't money. Mammon is what money can do. It was actually referred to a God of that time, a God of money. And people would tithe and give money to it because they believed that they would get money back if they would give. Because everybody in the world understands that you only get something through sacrifice. The whole world for, forever have understand it always requires a sacrifice. And it always does. I don't care if you want to get healthy, you're going to sacrifice. If you want to build muscle, you're going to break it down. You're going to sacrifice. If you want a great business, you're going to sacrifice. You're going to work hard. You're going to do things that other people are not willing to do. It will be a sacrifice. That's the bottom line. So the second part of God demands first 
is, is God wants the firstborn. God wants the firstborn. He demands the firstborn. The first tenth is devoted to God. And I want you to know, I want, I want you as we look at these scriptures to understand that God is literally saying that what it, whatever is first, your firstborn child, your firstborn animal, the first uh, grain you get, the first money you get, he says that does not belong to you, that it is actually his. Now let me, let me just, before we go over these verses, I'll give you kind of like a little illustration. If I had, uh, uh, if I was going to be going on a journey somewhere, I'm going overseas, and I, and I say, I tell you what, you know, Steve and Rod and, and, and uh, Kevin, I, I'm going to, I'm going to leave, but I, I need you to be taking care of my wife and my family while I'm gone. Now, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to give each of you $10,000. And what I want you to do is, out of that $10,000, I want you to take $1,000 of it, and I want you to give it to my wife. I want you to make sure she gets it and she's taken care of. Are you hearing me? And so, I leave. And I, I'm talking to my, my wife, and, and one day, I, 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 I'm talking to her on the phone. I said, so how's it going? How's, how's the money coming in? She said, well, uh, good, um, pretty much. I mean, she said, Rod's been giving me $2,000 every month. She said, Kevin's been giving me $1,000 every month. And, and she said, well, the first month, Steve, he, he gave $700. And the next month he gave $400 and then he's, he hasn't given anything. This is just a, you know. Now I want you to know, this is about my wife. I'm giving you the money. That money's not yours. All I'm asking for is 10% of what I gave you to take care of my wife. Somebody say, my wife. Now, it's pretty serious. It'd be one thing if you're just taking care of some arbitrary whatever, but it's about taking care of my wife. Now, what do you think that I will do with the information I've received? I'm cutting off Steve completely. And guess where I'm going to give the money? To Rod. Why? Because he's not only given 10%, he's given even more. That's a scriptural principle. Because to him who's given, uh, who has, even more will be given him. Why? Because he used it wisely. If God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. Can I tell you something? That God is very serious about his bride called the church. And he says, I'm going to give you money. I'm going to give you money. And all I'm asking for is you take 10% of that and you bring it to me. I want you to understand, when you look at this, you'll see that the Bible never says to give 10%. You cannot give 10% to God. You can't give it. Why? It would be like this. If I, if I, if I was, uh, my car was broke down and, I'm, and, and, I, and I heard that, 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 that Mike is leaving. Mike's leaving. He's going, he's going on a thing. I said, Mike, listen. I heard you're leaving. 
uh, my car's broke down. I got to put it in the shop. You mind if I take you to the airport with your car? Use your car for the week that you're going to be gone. When you come back, I'll pick you up from the airport. And, and, and then we can go and, and I get my car to the shop. He goes, sure, that'd be great. Well, then, you know, Mike leaves. I get my car in the shop. And, 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 and a week later, Mike comes home. And I, and I, and I pick up Mike at the, at, the, at the airport. And I say, hey, Mike, you know, I'm holding the keys. And I say, Mike, you know. My wife and I have been praying about this, and, and we, are, um, we, we are thinking that we want to give you this car. And, you know, and he would look at me and he'd go, now, uh, pastors, did you lose your mind? That's not your car. Okay, I borrow, I let you use that car. That car's mine. Hello. I want you to know this. You've got to understand this, that your money is not yours. When you get money, I want you to know God says that the first belonged to him. And I'm going to show you it's through the whole Bible. It's from Genesis to Revelation. God demands first, okay? And so God wants the firstborn. Exodus 13 verse 1, I want you to look at this. Verses 1 and 2. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me every firstborn male. Why didn't he say second? Why didn't he say the third? Why did? Because God wants the first. God is a God of first. Amen. Consecrate to me every firstborn male, the first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belong to me. Somebody say belongs to me. Whether man or animal. The first offspring of every womb belongs to me. So he said it belongs to me. That's the important. He said it already belongs. It's mine. Okay. And whenever God something says something is his, it means that it is now a devoted thing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's no longer just, you know, something that you receive. But now it's considered holy. And when God says, that's mine, now it's considered holy. Amen. Look at verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 12. It says, you are to give to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. The firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Keep reading. Verse 13. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. In other words, if you don't redeem the, the, the unclean portion with the clean, if you don't redeem it with a lamb, you're going to lose it anyway. Are you hearing me? If you don't redeem it, you're going to lose it anyway. Now, I want you to think about this. The, a sheep or a lamb is something that's clean. A donkey is unclean. So God is saying, what is clean has the power to redeem that which is unclean. Now, let me ask you a question. 
When you were born, were you born clean or unclean? Unclean. How many of you had to teach your children to be naughty, to lie, or to steal? How many had you teach them? No, they were born with that. The Bible says we were born into sin because of Adam. That sin was passed to us. When Jesus was born, was he born clean or unclean? He was born clean. He was born of the Holy Spirit. It was an immaculate conception, and he became the Lamb of God that would do what? Take away the sin. In other words, the first fruits of God, the tithe of God, Jesus became the tithe that redeemed all the rest. Are you hearing me? And the Bible literally says that. It's really powerful. Okay? So the clean animal is what redeems the unclean. The 10% redeems the 90%. That's unclean. So when God, I want you to see this. When you get money and God said that 10%, that it's holy, it's devoted that God declares that 10% as holy. He declares it as righteous. And that 10%, which is now declared clean by God, has the power to redeem the 90%. Are you hearing me? It's really important to begin to understand this principle. Because it's all through the Bible. So Jesus became God's tithe. And I'm going to go over that in a minute. Exodus chapter 23 and verse 19. It says, bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Where are you supposed to bring the tithe? To the house of of the Lord your God. Some people think that, that they can give it to a missionary or they can give it to a guy on the street or they can give it to somebody in the church. Not the tithe because you cannot give tithe. You can only bring tithe. The Bible never says to give tithe. It only says to bring tithe. So when you bring tithe, you bring something that's devoted to God. It's already holy and it carries a blessing and a curse. For God says in Malachi, he says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Are you hearing me? When you are willing to bring the first, that, that part that's holy to God, he declares it as his own, it will redeem the rest of it. And so where do you bring it? To the house of God. Amen. Now, when you want to give an offering, because you can give an offering, you cannot give tithe. It's not yours. And a lot of people really get screwed up in this and they wonder why bad things happen in their life. They don't understand that they're opening up the devil to their children. They're opening up the devil to things in their life. And it's not God doing it. It is a principle of God that the devil is seeking whom he may devour. And when we allow God to be first, he is able to keep you from the calamity that the devil has planned for your life. He's able to rebuke him for you. What's that? Yeah, I can do that. Yeah. Isn't that exciting that, that, the, that the devil can be rebuked by God for you? <clears throat> and I probably have that scripture here somewhere. 
What is it? Malachi. Okay, let's read that together. I think I have it written down. I went over it last week. Malachi 3.10. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not open or throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you do not have room enough for it. Where is it at? Okay. I want to go to the actual verse. Okay, and, and I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, declares the Lord Almighty. There's one more scripture about that and I don't have it um, in front of me right this second. But he's saying if you'll do that, if you will put me first, that I will cause your, your crops or your business or whatever to not have the diseases and stuff of, the, of what the devil wants to put on it. What other people have to go through. Amen. <clears throat> and it's important. This is what's really important to me is when you see scriptures and you see it's straight up scripture, don't turn a blind eye to what God says. If it was just me saying it, that would be one thing. But when you see the word of God, and there's a lot more coming, when you see it, then, then don't ever turn a blind eye to the word of God. Amen. So, um, so where does the uh, first fruits go? To the storehouse, to, to the house of God. Amen. So I want to bring another point up on this, and that is Israel is God's firstborn. Israel is God's firstborn. And Israel, therefore, because it was the first of his eternal plan of faith, Israel has to be, in a sense, sacrificed. Yeah, because it's his first fruits. Because I'm, I'm wanting to see you to see that this principle starts in the very beginning with Cain and Abel. I want you to see it goes all the way through to, to Revelation, and I'll read it for you. So, Exodus chapter 4, verse 22. Then say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord, this is what the Lord, sorry, this is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn. Do you see that? God declares Israel as his firstborn. Now that's very important because the Israelites understand that God is demanding the first of everything. He said, now you, you're my firstborn. Wow. I mean, you can just imagine the way it was. You know, a family has, they, they have a, 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 a sheep. And one evening, you know, we, they, they find out that the sheep is, 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 is bearing kids. Do they call sheep kids? Kids. Lambs. Goats have kids. Okay, lambs. And so you know what? That they, they have... That, you know, they all run out there to see that the, the, their, their lamb have a, a little lamb. And when that little lamb comes out, they're all gawking over. Look at that. It's so beautiful. It's so cute. But they didn't see daddy. That daddy brought a knife. Because that was the first one from the womb. And that one was going to be sacrificed to God. That one was going to be devoted to God. 
Amen. And the Bible says the reason why God told them to do that is he wanted their children and their children's children and all the way down the line to know that it was God that brought them out of Egypt. It was God with a mighty hand. He brought them out and he delivered them from bondage. And the reason why God wants to use this is when we take our tenth and we give it to God, that God says we'll be able to tell to our children and our children's children that when we finally gave a tithe, that we broke the bondage of the devil in our life and he brought us out into his blessing. Hallelujah. Can I tell you something? Many people will say, well, I can't afford to tithe. Pastor, I just really can't afford to tithe. Can I tell you something? You will never be able to afford to tithe until you begin tithing. Let me say that again. You will never be able to afford to tithe until you start tithing. Amen. And when you do it, you'll see how God, uh, how God performs. I know of pastors who tell their whole church, you tithe to this church for one year. And at the end of one year, if you're not fully satisfied, he said, then I'll give you all your money back. And the reason why is because he knows when you really start obeying God for real. Some people say, well, well should, should I give the tithe on the, on the net or the gross? And you know, it's a little bit of a gross question. But I just want to know, would you like to receive a harvest on the tithe or on the net or the gross? But the Bible says bring all of it. That's what he says. Bring all the tithe. Bring the gross of the tithe into the storehouse. That's what God says. Amen. Romans chapter 11. Israel is God's firstborn. This is very important. Verse 11. Romans 11 verse 11. This is so powerful. The whole thing of this, if you read the whole thing, it's so good. It says, again, I ask, did they, the children of Israel, the Jews, stumble as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. But if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss, means riches for the Gentiles, which you and I are, how much greater riches will their fullness bring? You hear that? I am talking to you Gentiles. Inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles, I make much of my ministry in hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. For if their rejection is reconciliation of the world. Remember, they're the firstborn. If their rejection is reconciliation for the world, what would their acceptance be but life from the dead? If the part of the dough offered his first fruits, you hear that? If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, did you hear that? If it's holy, means it, it carries a curse with it, blessing or cursing. He said, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. If some of the branches have been broken off. Now, I want, to, I want you to think about this. Or cut off. Rejected. Because I'm going to talk to you about covenant. 
You can never make a covenant. You can only cut a covenant. A covenant can never happen unless there's blood. It's not possible. It cannot be a covenant unless there is blood. Hello. So if some of the branches have been broken off and you, the wild olive shoot, that means us, we're the 90%. The Jews are the 10% who have been rejected for the sake of us. It says, if you, the wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root. This podcast has been brought to you by New Creations Life Center in Redmond, Oregon. Look us up on the web at newclc.com. That's N-E-W-C-L-C.com.